Pastor Ed Taylor encourages us to develop an attitude of gratitude. You need to cry out and just thank God. Just, just God, thank you for life. Thank you for my breath. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for your faithfulness. I, I love you, Lord. Thank you for making me a loving person. I mean, you can think of a thousand things to thank God for, of how good he's been and continues to be. And you know what? As you rejoice, you may find someone next to you that's sorrowful. And that's when ministry begins. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Do you ever log on to one of those websites that shows in real time the current population? The count is at 7.9 billion and growing by the second. And maybe you feel insignificant in the grand scheme of things today. Well, be encouraged by this today. God sees you in the crowd. That's one of the many observations Pastor Ed Taylor makes as he revisits John chapter 5 here on Abounding Grace. I was watching a television program not too long ago of a pastor is actually a son of a famous pastor it's kind of taken over for him as his dad is getting older and and I don't watch uh, so-called Christian TV all that much but this guy captivated me for a moment and I just happened to be tuning in where he pointed at me and he's pointing at me um, I'm I, I know I was watching him. he's right there he's pointing at me and he's telling me that it's God's will for me to be wealthy and I'm like what a great time to turn on the television yes Yes, I want that. And then he continued on, and he had a big Bible in his hand, and God wants you to be healthy. And I'm like, well, yeah, man, who doesn't want it? And then he, and for those of you that are familiar with uh, this type of teaching, what I would term a false doctrine, a false teaching, he also went on to say that if I am sick or I'm not wealthy, then it's my problem. It's my faith. I don't have enough faith. I haven't done enough faith. And if I had more faith, I would have more wealth, and I'd be well, and it was all my problem. I mean, what a trip to lay on people that are sick. And going through financial issues in their life. What, a, what an ungodly, unbiblical, unchristlike trip to lay on someone. And he added more. He gave me the way out. He said something like, you know, if you just send money into our ministry, if you will sow a seed, if you sow a seed, God will reap a harvest in your life. You just sow a seed. And he gave some number, I don't remember what it is, but these, these guys, these hucksters, they, they create all kinds of false things and they'll find some obscure passage and, and use that and say, well, if you send in $55.52, according to Isaiah 55, 52, you'll get that, pro-. you know, it's just, just stay away from that stuff. And so he said, if I send in this money that I'd get at this harvest. And I'm like, hmm, I didn't do this, but I have thought about it over time. I should just do it so I can say I did it. I guess, I'm, I think I will. Write down the phone. Here, you guys do it before me, please. <laughs> Write down the phone number and give them a call. Say, hello. Is this uh, such and such ministries? Yes. Hey, I just saw a pastor on there right now, and he said that if I sow a seed, then there'll be a harvest. Is that true? It's true. And then they'll go on, and a lot of times they'll try to upsell you. And know, if you get a bigger seed, then there'll be a bigger harvest. And, and you send us a check for 155 bucks, and you can expect God to give you $1,000, you know, whatever it is. And you go, really, is that true? It's absolutely true, sir. How can I take your credit card number? And, and then you go through that. And you go, no, 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 no. 
It, do you really believe that? Yes. You, the ministry really? Yes, you believe. Okay, so let me give you a suggestion. Why don't you send me 155 bucks? No, no, forget that. Send me 1000 bucks, and let God reap his harvest on you. You know what's going to happen, right? Click. Oh, it don't work that way. It only works this way. It doesn't work that way. Why? Because it's not biblical. God's ways always work. He's faithful. And if you're sick today, it's not some heavy trip on you. We all get sick, church. If you're struggling in a financial realm right now, that's a normal part of life. God heals because people get sick. And God heals sovereignly. That's important for you to grasp. God heals sovereignly. That's a big Bible word that you'll see many times in the scripture describe God. It just means that he has the power and control and authority over healing. Sometimes he heals and sometimes he doesn't. That's very evident even here in this time of the pool of Bethesda. It says there's a great multitude there, but Jesus heals only one person. I think of in Acts chapter 3 when you had that beggar there at the temple at the temple gate and Peter's walking up in there and he's begging for money and Peter stops and says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you, rise up. And he heals him right there. Well, Jesus would walk in and out of that gate multiple times in the three years he was in Jerusalem. Jesus never chose to heal him. Paul was used in mighty ways to, as a vessel to bring healing into people's lives and yet he cries out to God for the thorn in his flesh that he couldn't even heal himself. Because why? God is sovereign in healing. You can't buy it, you can't purchase it and anybody that asks you to Turn the TV off, flee that ministry. It's not true, it's not healthy, and you will get hurt following a person like that. It's not true. God is sovereign. Listen, friend, this is the reality. We will all die of our last sickness. We will all die of our last sickness. It'll be a glorious release for us. Don't get all bummed out about that. Um, We're going to shed these earthly bodies. By the way, the bodies that the Bible says the outward man is what? Perishing. The inward man is being renewed day by day. We will shed these earthly bodies and God will clothe us with our new bodies. You know, bodies that don't make noises when you wake up in the morning and walk down the stairs. You're like, what is that? Somebody playing the drums? No, it's your knees. It's your knees. The long headaches. Being laid out. The tummy issues, if you know what I mean. I know what I mean. They're all gone. Why? Because ultimately you and I will face healing when we are delivered from this body of death. Let me say this, when you come uh, and ask for us to pray for you for healing, when we pray for you, you know, like James says, like today, if you're sick, the Bible tells you if there's anyone sick among you, let them come to the elders. And the elders will lay hands and pray on you and anoint you with oil and pray by faith that God would heal you. And when we pray for healing, we pray. Not only do I pray for, that you'd be healed, but inside of my heart, I'm also praying, God, give me the faith to believe that you're gonna do a work in this person's life. I mean, just recently in the last response service, Pastor Aaron was telling me that uh, in our afterglow time uh, on a Sunday night, we're doing that the first Sundays of the month right now, as we're waiting, as, as the folks that were here waiting on the Lord, there just seemed to be a sense of the Holy Spirit that the direction of that meeting was for healing. So it became a time, if you need healing, come up, and there was prayer for healing. And you know what? God did heal. God did a great work. God does a work that way, but sometimes he chooses not to. Even though, for the believer, death is healing. It is good. And so when we pray for healing today, we pray for healing. And today after the service, if you're sick, you should come up to the elders. Let us lay hands on you and pray for you and anoint you with oil according to the scriptures. 
and just ask that God would meet us here. He's sovereign in healing. And so you can ask God to heal you. You can ask God to prepare you for seeing him face to face as well. Do you want to be made well is the big question. Let me ask you that. Are you, do you want to be made well? Or are you one of those that has a hard heart? And you're like, you know, I, I am in crisis. I am kind of thinking about God, but I'm, I'm not willing to change. Well, then God will respond to that saying, if you're not willing to change, I'm not going to change you. If you don't want to come, I'm not going to drag you. If, if you don't want to bow the knee to me, I'm not going to bow it for you. I mean, the Bible does say that all of us will bow our knee to Jesus eventually. <laughs> every knee, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. Some by faith and some by regret. Today is the day of salvation. That's why the Bible warns us, harden not your heart if you can hear his voice. It's a warning. Don't harden your heart. It's only going to get harder. And it was Oswald Chambers. You know, he's famous for the devotional. Maybe you use it, my utmost for his highest. I came across this quote and I'm like, wow, this is heavy duty stuff. Listen to what he wrote. Sin enough and you will soon be unconscious of sin. Wow, that's a rough place to be. Sin enough and you'll soon not even feel it anymore. It's a dangerous state when you don't even know that what you're doing is wrong or don't even acknowledge it or admit it because you've lived so long that way. God has so much more for you. I pray that you want to be made whole and I pray that you're willing to do what needs to be done to get your life on track. And this is not just a question for those that aren't saved. This is a question for those of you that are believers. Are you ready to get on track with what God's doing in your life? Are you ready to get back on track? Are you ready to go even farther are you willing to be, are you want God to work in your life? You were like that at one point, you're not now. It's time. The coming of the Lord is at hand. The, the signs of the times are pretty obvious that Jesus is coming back very soon. And we are in great anticipation of that moment, of that time. No, no man knows the day or the hour, but man, the signs of the time are pretty obvious. And while we wait, Jesus said, do business till I come. Be about the Father's business. Do you want to be made well? Well, Look at Jesus' answer. You love it in verse 8. Jesus said to him, rise up, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well. Wow. He took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Now, if this was a movie, the first seven and a half verses here, or the verse eight and a half verses, would be like, you know, just sun and happiness. And it would be all great until that phrase that day was the Sabbath, and then the music changes, everything gets dark, and then you hear, dun, dun, dun. Because this is a big issue here. That God has done a great thing, but it was the Sabbath. It was the Sabbath. Things are about to change. Verse 10. The Jews therefore said to him, who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It's so wonderful. You've been healed. God bless you. This is awesome. Tell the world. You're like, where's he reading that from? From the top of my head. Because <laughs> it's not what the Bible says. The Bible says this. It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. Wow. You know what we call that? There's a word for that. Insensitive. Insensitive. Like these guys, the Jews, there's a phrase that the New Testament uses to refer to the religious rulers of the day. They just weren't any Jews. These were the religious rulers of the day. This is the beginning of great attack on Jesus right here. This is where it all starts. This starts here. That's going to end where? At the cross. Really, really, it doesn't end at the cross, the resurrection and the ascension. And God is still doing work today. What the devil thought he had success in really, truly was only worked by God to bring about salvation to so many of us. And, and here, all they can think of is the Sabbath. 
You're breaking the law. I know you've been lame for 38 years, and I know it's cool that you're kind of walking now, and it's really, but you're carrying your bed. How could you do that? That's so anti-God, so irreligious. No, no, instead we have these insensitive religious rulers. Unless we point the finger, and unless we get all upset, oh, I can't believe that. You know what? We need to really watch our mouths, church. We need to be very careful how we deal with people, how we share the word with them, how we talk to them, that we don't become so hyper-religious that we miss the heart of Jesus in these relationships that God is bringing into our lives. It's like, hey, you're healed, but you're, caring, you know, you're breaking the law. No, let's rejoice with those that rejoice. Let's be happy when God's doing something in someone's life. You know, the Bible says to weep with those that weep and to rejoice with those that rejoice. And if you look at that, it does seem that the weeping with those that weep is a lot easier at times than rejoicing with those that rejoice, especially if you've just had a hard life and you're waiting for God to do something in your life, but your neighbor seems to be blessed or your friend seems to be blessed. Or, and you're like, man, I, 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 instead of being happy, like you, can, you can become insensitive to the things of God and don't even realize it. You know, like, like let's, be, let's be very careful to, in our prayers to pray that God don't let me become insensitive to the things of the Spirit. Don't let me become insensitive to the work that you do on the earth. L- let me be excited about the simple things. You know, in Acts chapter 2, you can just jot it down. One of the things that really blessed the early church was their simplicity of heart. They kept things simple. And it's too easy to make things more complicated in our relationship with God. To make it so much more than just being happy that a dude got healed. That's awesome. You know, I think of it in our own church because we've had the privilege and the pleasure of seeing countless people commit their lives to Jesus through the ministry here. It's amazing. It's amazing. I haven't seen anything like it. Uh, It's every week. An invitation goes out virtually every week and somebody responds. Sometimes way more than somebody. But, you know, one person, one per every week. You're like, and and if, if you're not careful... You know, you're just like, well, you know, that's just what happens here. People get saved. That's what happens, you know. No, no, lives are being changed. That's somebody's dad. That's somebody's mom. That's somebody's kid, somebody's grandkid. But, you know, because you see it so much or you're experiencing it so much, you might be insensitive. Like, like, let me give you a scenario. You've been praying for someone in your family for a long time. You've been praying and praying and praying. And finally, they have accepted your invitation to come to church. So there they are sitting right next to you. And you're praying, oh, Lord, I, I hope Ed says the right things. I hope he doesn't mess up this week. I hope, I mean, I hope he's just not, you know, let him be something different than he normally is because I have my guest here. I'm like, amen, man. I'll, I'll be used however the Lord wants me. And so there we are. And you go through the whole service and your friend or your neighbor or your mom or dad seem unfazed by the message. And then the invitation comes and this is the day where multiple people, boom, 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 all over the place, people respond. They're calling in from the internet. They're calling in from the radio. But you're, the person with you, they didn't get saved. And so you're like, man, it's kind of cool. People are getting saved, but they didn't get saved. And they may never be getting to church. And you might even be at the point where you turn to them and go, why didn't you get saved? You know, seem to know many people getting saved today. And now that certainly would be an insensitive thing, wouldn't you? Don't you think? Because you have forgotten. You become insensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit. You become insensitive to the simplicity that the Bible describes salvation. Remember the planting of seeds. Some people plant, some people water, but it's who? God that gives the increase. We can become so overcomplicated and miss the simplicity, and we don't want to do that. From time to time, I'll even get an email here and there, or somebody will come up after the service, and they'll say, you know, Pastor, 
that was just simple. You were, that was a simple message. And they don't mean it in a good way. They are like, man, you're just like, you don't know what you're talking about. That was like the simplest Bible study I ever heard. Jesus loves me, this I know, or the Bible tells me so. But you know what? That's the greatest compliment you can give me. I've taken something um, that can be very, very hard to understand, and I've made it very, very simple. I mean, what would you rather me do? Make it so complicated that you walk out going, dude, what did that guy say? I don't know. And he spent the whole time. And, and no, I think simplicity is the way of the Lord. And it's a very simple thing for Jesus to go right into the pool, find that man, go right to him, ask him a question, heal him, and then continue on in the life that he has in reaching the lost. It's so glorious. Be careful, church. Watch your mouths, please. Watch your mouths. It's a sin to misuse the gift of the mouth that God has given us. James said that. He says, out of the mouth come blessings and cursings. It ought not to be so. The Bible says that let no corrupt communication proceed from your mouth except which is profitable to build one another up. Now, let's finish up in this little section here. The man was made well. They come up and, you know, in verse 11, it says, he answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, who's the man? And verse 13 said, no one, the one who was healed did not know who it was for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place afterward. Jesus found him. This is so sweet in verse 14. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you've been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. I think that's a sweet thing to find this man in the temple. That's the place of worship. That's what represent, the temple was the representation of the very presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God in the Holy of Holies. And where does he go after he is healed? He doesn't go to his family. He doesn't create some healing crusade. He doesn't do any kind of weird stuff. Where does he go? He goes to the temple. I mean, there are times, isn't it true in your life, there are times when my anticipation of being with the saints and being in the fellowship family and being in a church service isn't so much to be fed or it isn't so much to sing the songs, although I enjoy them. There are times when I just show up because I want to thank God for what he's done in my life. And I want to be around other people that are thanking God too. Just to thank him of how good he is, how faithful he is in my life, how even in the, the deepest needs of my life, he has not forsaken me. He has not turned his back upon me. And so sure, we come to, be, to study the Bible and sure, we come to sing songs and sure, we come to be used of God to, to serve with the giftings that we have. But there are many times where we just go, oh Lord, you are so good to me. I mean, some of you need to do that today. You need to cry out and just thank God. Just, just, God, thank you for life. Thank you for my breath. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for your faithfulness. I, I love you, Lord. Thank you for making me a loving person. I mean, you can think of a thousand things to thank God for, of how good he's been and continues to be. And you know what? As you rejoice, you may find someone next to you that's sorrowful. And that's when ministry begins. Because God would bring your joy into a very sorrowful situation and together both of you will get closer to Jesus. Being open to the work of his spirit. And as you comfort and uplift and are sensitive to the spirit reaching out, the joy of being used by him flows through your life. We're so interconnected, church. And so if God has done something good for you, declare it, share it rejoice. Thank God. If he's done something great for you, he's done something good in you, to you, around you, rejoice. And hopefully we'll find you at the temple coming together with the people of God that we might hear your testimony and the goodness of your life. Now, one more thing before we head out. I know our time is short. 
The other controversy in this section I want to speak to is the end of verse 14. It's another two big arguments in one little section where Jesus tells him, send no more lest a worse thing come upon you. What do you mean, Jesus? Was he lame for 38 years because of sin? Is that what you mean? And there are two main ways of looking at this, two main options. Number one, his condition could have been directly because of some sin in his life. You go, what does that mean, Ed? Well, let me give you an example of that. Um, If you choose to go the route of sexual sin, fornication, adultery, there are going to be consequences to that. What you sow is what you'll reap. One of the consequences that comes from sexual sin is sexually transmitted diseases. So you could see a one-to-one correlation in a sin like that. And I can think of dozens of other examples where sin does directly relate to some sickness in a person's life. The consequences. So Jesus could have met that. The other option is the one that I kind of lean toward more, is that Jesus could have simply been exhorting this man toward worship and devotion rather than a lifestyle of sin. And this is what this looks like. Hey, look, buddy, you are healed. Now don't use your healing to go do your own thing and live your own life. And you're happy that you're healed, but now you're going to go live a lifestyle of sin. Jesus could be saying, hey, look, you've been healed and you've been designated. You're that certain man that I came to. And you were healed for better things, not for worse things. I can see that happening much more from the heart of Jesus But certainly the consequences of sin will often lead to all sorts of devastating, damaging things, including physical sickness. I love this section of scripture because the thing that really ministers to me is that, you know, we are in very much like verse 3. We're around very hurting people. We're all hurting ourselves. We all have situations in our lives that we're going through. I know my wife and I, my family, we have been in an ongoing, um, just deep, deep grief and sorrow and all sorts of other pains that are lopped onto that with situations that are outside of our control. And, and, and I, I, I understand, I, I mean, there are times when I feel paralyzed. Uh, people have asked, how you doing, Ed? Well, it's hard. It's harder than hard. How's that? And yet, faithfulness of God is still there. Uh, yeah, life is hard. And we're surrounded by a lot of people that are going through hard times. But the good news is, is that you and I, we are that certain man. And we are that certain woman. Jesus has his eye on you that even though there might be a crowd, Jesus sees you in the crowd. That's encouraging. Jesus, see, you're not just lost in the crowd, especially in a large growing church. You go, well, I'm just one. No way. You are not just one in a crowd. You are one in the crowd. And each one makes up the body of Christ. And according to the scriptures, every one is important to the work of Jesus Christ. Whether you're a toe in a smelly sock somewhere, or you're a mouth, or you're an arm, or a leg. Paul uses that picture of the body to describe your body. You're a very important part of this body, and I want you to know that Jesus loves you, and I love you too. It's so good to be back. It's so good to be with the fellowship family. I, I was, you know, I was just thinking of this because I shared this in South Africa, but I share it from my own life. I was born to be here and serve you. That's my calling in life. That is why God has his hand upon my life, and I want you to have the same kind of confidence of why you were born, why God has put you on the planet, because the days are short, the coming of the Lord is at hand. God sees you in the crowd, and I hope you're greatly encouraged by that. Yes, God sees you in the crowd, and isn't that awesome? And with that, we draw today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor to a close. We've been in the Gospel of John today. If you joined us late or would just like to give this a second listen, go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. And have you had a chance to download our app? 
This is another great way to take in the teaching of God's Word and download it for free today by searching for Calvary Church or Ed Taylor. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. Even just a quick hello telling us the station you listen to means a lot. Maybe you didn't realize it, but Pastor Ed reads them. So let us know how we can pray for you, too. You can email us through the website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And please remember that Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. We look to the Lord for provision. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Pastor Ed Taylor's book, God's Help for the Troubled Heart. Now, this is a must-read for anyone who has a heavy heart or is greatly discouraged. It's a collection of truthful reminders of God's help for your troubled heart. While we all share stories of pain, If we're not careful, we can find ourselves refusing to accept and receive the healing that Jesus readily gives. Join Pastor Ed as he steps into our pain and shows us how to live a life full of faith even as we go through painful trials. To order a copy today, call 877-30-GRACE. We ask for a donation of $25 or more. That's 877-30-GRACE. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the book of John. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora. 